from Long Island, Robbie McElroy. It's got it going right at the flagstick. It'll be up. That uh, sweet character over there is uh, Tim O'Connor, uh, mental performance coach, raconteur, and uh, fabled man of mystery. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever called you that. I'm feeling mysterious today. Somehow it's deserved. Uh, this is the uh, show for golf geeks. If you're uh, geeks and nerds, nerds and geeks, we're uh, here uh, Saturday mornings, you can uh, catch us. And, of course, if you miss anything, we've got 90 other shows. That's right. This is show 91. 91 other golf-related shows that are podcasts. You can listen to them on the way to the golf course, and you might pick up some stuff. Maybe we can touch on, at some point, some of the things that uh, recommends, we would say, for a show uh, to go back and, and listen to. So that you know. many shows, we haven't run out of things to talk about. Well, that is uh, that's debatable. <laughs> uh, I haven't. I know I could talk about. You know, it's like all I do is think about golf. I think I told you this once. I told my ex-wife. I said if I ever thought about anything as much as I did my golf swing, I would have cured something or invented something, and we'd be a lot richer. But I, I was too busy thinking of my the down cocking motion. Well, you live a rich life. Oh yes. I think we think that way. I remember when people used to say maybe golf, uh, Tiger would make golf cool. But it's just interesting we're using words like geek and nerd. I think that means we just go go deep on it. Yeah. Know? To me, it's funny when I heard people say that. I thought, well, wait a second. I thought golf was cool. Uh, this program is brought to you by TaylorMade, number one driver in uh, golf. Uh Experience injected twist face and discover why not all speed is created equal. Uh, ingested twist face only from TaylorMade and, of course, Adidas. Uh, all the apparel, uh, the announcers of the uh, Swing Thoughts are festooned in the sartorial splendor oh, of Adidas golf that. apparel. And uh, coming up in a couple of weeks... We'll be giving away some more Adidas golf apparel. Um, we've got another contest that we'll tell you about uh, in, the, in the coming episodes. Kind of like our Masters contest, but we're going to give away some more TaylorMade stuff and some more Adidas stuff. And whatever it is you're wearing, 
Uh, looks good on you, man. Thank you. Thank That's you. cool. I didn't even know that was available. I have I, That's last a Navy year, pullover with see, the, with the white stripes. But it's short sleeved, or no? No, you, no. I got it pulled up. Oh. I, I, I can't have my forearms covered. Well, because they're too big. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's You've the got thing. A, so, I, as people know, I, I I do these mankind weekend things, and there's a certain part where we have to kind of get into our nice clothes, if you will. And this guy looked at me and says, hey, man, you look sharp. I said, of course I do. I'm wearing Adidas apparel. He yeah. says, oh, i got to get more golf shirts like that one. Well, this happened last year because Tim and I are allowed to order a certain amount of stuff from Adidas so that we wear Adidas stuff when we go out in appearances, you know, whenever we're out in the world. And this happened last year because you ordered a couple of things that I didn't see, <laughs> and I have, like, apparel envy. Yeah, I, I have that from you, too. It's, oh, I should have got that shirt. It's like when I order food with my new girlfriend. You know, she's just so yes. much better at it than me that everything she orders, I go, oh, I should have had that. Anyway, uh, we're here for another week. Uh, it's great to have you all along. Uh, we're thrilled to be part of the Bell family. Um, and uh, let's get right to it. Is The weekend before the PGA Championship, I don't want to put you on the spot, but it has it, it it's been in, in its august uh, time slot for quite some time was it always there i don't wow. recall um I, while while you try and answer that let me google as it as long as i've been paying attention to golf it's been in, it's been the fourth tournament of of the season so it's highly likely it has been in august for Decades at least. Yeah. So I love the way the PGA Tour, we talked about this uh, last time, that I love the way the PGA Tour has uh, messed with the schedule. It has all kinds of great benefits going for it. The players in March, Masters, you got a significant tournament in pretty well every month. So, yeah, it looks really, it's, it's exciting. And it'll do some justice to the PGA, which has kind of always been kind of like the neglected sister mm-hmm. of, the, of the majors and people try and make a big deal of it but uh, it'll still I still think it's the fourth major if you will but it's uh, it's in a really neat spot this year well I'm looking here on the uh, PGA championship Wikipedia page and um, the authoritative yeah well, it doesn't say <laughs> it's got some interesting information but I don't know when it how long it's been it's in its spot but you're right it's been the Sort of fourth major. I think at one time, if I'm not mistaken, it was match play as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. It was match play. It was match play. And, and you know, and, and it, something, I mean, obviously, it's got all the big winners Nicholas and Tiger. Uh, Phil's won it. You know, it's one of those majors where also a lot of lesser known people, Rich Beam, his only major. Jeff Sluman. Uh, that Michael guy, what's his name? Are you mean the fellow from New Zealand? No. Not Campbell? He no, Michael Campbell won the U.S. Open. U.S. In. Open, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that we, guy. Yeah, here we have people whose combined ages is over 120. We can't yeah. remember. I can't yeah. remember that. And he stiffed it on 18. It was at, it was at Oak Hill, Rochester. Yeah. And I was just – I actually saw Oak Hill from a horizon just mere days ago. But, yeah, that uh, 18th green – Sean McKeel. Sean, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You used that Wikipedia. No, yeah, I'm just looking at it exactly. Now. I'm looking at all these names. I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. See, it's just like anything else, you know. Was, you remember that movie that Meryl Streep was in? Let me Google it. Well, that was the thing. When, when Tim and I were younger, you know, people would have bar arguments. Well, those are gone. Like when somebody says, did you know that the square root of – I don't think so. <laughs> exactly. Um, I actually played Oak Hill – 
three years ago, I played in a. They have a tournament called the J.R. Williams. That's doing my buddy Tim. My buddy Tim and I played in it. It's It's a partner event. And uh, it's a very, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a very prestigious, high-level, high-level amateur event. Yes. But I will tell you that playing both the East and West course at Oak Hill, the East course is where, that's the famous course. That's the Hogan course. That's where they had the Ryder Cup. That's where McKeel hit that shot. Um, just like a lot of these famous courses, the everyday layout, you know, wouldn't, it would impress you, but it's not overly difficult. But when they set it up for a tournament, it's a whole other world. Um, Bay Hill's like that. I've played Bay Hill a bunch of times. Not that great, except on that one week. But uh, Oak Hill was, uh, it's the experience of being in that clubhouse, of seeing the Trevino scorecard, of seeing, you know, I think that was the, the famous word. Trevino pulled out a snake or something on Nicholas on the first tee. That was Open Championship. Was that the Open Championship? Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. I'll go with that. Sorry, I, I didn't even have to Google that. I just, <laughs> I just knew it. But, you know, that's also the clubhouse in uh, where they have my buddy Tim. Where he, he's texting me. He goes, you got to come downstairs. I'm like, what's, <laughs> what's down there? It was a bowling alley. Oh, cool. Like, there's a bowling alley in the clubhouse, you know, from uh, old school money. That's what that yeah, place is. absolutely. My best memory of, of Oak Hill was covering uh, the Ryder Cup. In the 90s, and Seve Ballesteros wow. was the captain. And Europe won again. And I think with Nick Faldo closed out Curtis Strange. That's right. He did. And the thing Curtis was, was a captain's pick, too. That's right. And yet another failed yeah. captain's pick. What I remember almost equally was uh, the lovely Spanish golf reporter was to immediately to my left. And on Sunday, when good things would happen, Tim would get a hug. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so. It was really That's uh, really funny. Damn, I wish I could remember her name. She, oh, well. she, was, a, I mean, she was a good reporter, and she was, which was funny. And it was, it was kind of like one of those, those things where I got like, these, these Latino people, they, they got passion. <laughs> so let me just get this straight. Your memory of that tournament is a young female reporter she all like, these years ago. All these years ago. Did, was that because was that I was young? Yeah, time? probably. But that was, anyways, that was a lot of fun. That's in the, uh, is that in the uh, bank? Is that on that bank of yours? The memory bank. Memory yeah, bank? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's the bank we were all thinking of. Hey, Sandy knows about this. Yeah, whatever. Don't go there. Sandy's his wife. <laughs> um, anyway, I remember that tournament we played three years ago. The three, fun, the 16, 17, 18 in Oak Hill are really tough. And we were, it's a partner event. Nothing but really, really good players, and we were lucky to get in. And we, I think we were one or two off the cut line, kind of knowing what it would be. We shot like even par or one under the first round on the easier of the two courses. The west course isn't a very difficult course at all. But on the east course, we were struggling, and we just needed a birdie the last three holes. One of us had to, and I was just not playing good. I'd, I'd played okay in the front nine, but I was just having trouble. And Tim kept us in there, and I was just sort of trying to be a good caddy. And I think he had like an impossible 20-foot winding putt in the last hole. But I was, I knew it was kind of a putt where there's no way he's going to sink it. But I thought, I thought, oh, we just hang in there, buddy. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, but we've tried to get back in. The, the following year, the way it works is if you make the cut, you're automatically in the next year. If you don't, you got to reapply. And we didn't apply the next year. We applied last year and didn't get in. But that was before Timmy finished second 
in the Ontario Senior Championship, uh, Provincial Championship. And uh, before you won, before Glen I won Karen, the Glen Karen Club Championship. So, because what, why that's key is you need to send in your resume. Yeah. And our resume got a little fatter last year. Sure did. And uh, you actually heard me talking to Tim on the show before uh, we started uh, talking about some tournaments we're going to play in. It's good, you know, because he and I are very close in ability and we're good friends and we push each other. We're good rivals. You know, there are lots of days where he beats me. He's got a much better short game than me. Uh, Lots of days I beat him. You know, I I, I hit it a little bit differently than he does. But uh, it's good to have that, I think. It's good to have somebody to, that's so close good. enough where you know where you have to be playing pretty good to beat them. But it's possible. Anyway, um, what about, speaking of possible, let's talk a, a few things. Uh, on the show today, we're going to talk a little bit about some things you can take with you. I've been, uh, I signed up for a course with one of our recent guests, uh, Jonathan Wallet from Elite Coaching Academy. I'm going to get that, uh, the Elite coaching and go to elitecoaching.com. I signed up for a course. I'll talk about some of the things we're learning in his course, uh, some of the things you can do on your on, in your golf world. Tim will talk about some of the stuff he's working on with his clients. But first, what about the possibility uh, of the PGA Championship next week? What are your thoughts about you know, Tiger? Is there, Are they making a, a big deal? The contention? Who else do you like? Uh, any observations uh, surrounding that, sir? Well, automatically, Tiger has. Uh, I forget what was it. The U.S. Open that was at Beth Page, yes, say ten years ago, or even more. Yeah, whenever it was. Yeah, and Tiger won. Yeah, that's right. I mean, oh, it was gloomy. I mean, it was really gloomy there. So it's hard to know where Tiger's at because he hasn't been playing much at all. Hasn't played since the Masters. Yeah, so it's hard to know where he he's at with his game. Um, Obviously, it'd be really cool to see what would happen, if, even if he's a contention. I mean, mm-hmm. golf is a game of, of yeah, you got to be hitting it well. You also have to get some good breaks. You have to have the ball, you know, hit a hill and bounce into the green rather than into the trees. So you never know what's going to go on there. Um, I'm still, maybe this is more my heart than anything else, but I think Rory... The way he's been hitting the ball, his ball striking has been good. I like where his head's at. Uh, he was able to withstand all those close calls earlier in the year. What was it? He, did it didn't he finish in the top five in six tournaments yep. be- before winning the players? Yep. I mean, obviously, the guy's, the guy's processes, his ball striking, it's all right there. Yes, he had another Sunday swoon last week. Um, we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah, whatever tournament, that, that kid Max Homa won. Yeah. But Tiger, uh, Rory didn't. Play great no, on the weekend. Another, no, it was another Sunday, not so great. Yeah, but not so great on the Saturday either. It wasn't like he was stellar and then wasn't. He was just kind of meh for the whole weekend. Yeah, so... Would you like him for Beth Page? I do. I, I just think that um, that you need to be able to hit the ball high there. There's a lot of different things there. But that course, you got to hit it high. Certainly, uh, Rory can do that. Um, someone else who I think could be really a threat there would be uh, Xander Shoffley. Yeah. I mean, that guy's have been playing really well. Uh, I like that he's a very aggressive player. Uh, the PGA is generally not as penal as any as, the, you know, at Masters, they defend the course with the greens. At the U.S. Open, they do it with insane, stupid conditions. And the PGA is generally a little bit sort of in between. That's right. So maybe um, a player like Xander. I just like saying his name, too. I call him Xanadu. <laughs> um, was that a Rush album? 
I think it was also a movie. Here's the thing. Tiger won the U.S. Open at Bethpage Black in 2002. Ooh. Finished tied for six when it came back in 2009. That's the U.S. Open. Also played there for a, a tournament in the, uh, the Barclays. Overall, his scoring average there is 70.17. So he plays that course well. Uh, depending on the weather, too. It's a very, very long golf course, 7,400 yards, par 70. Some of those guys. Now, Xanadu has no problem with length. Uh, Brooks Kepka. Uh, sorry. Don't, you know, here's the thing about Brooks. And the, I, the guy who lost all the weight, who's having the, the nice, uh, nice time with uh, Brandel Shambly. Oh, my yeah. gosh. But I don't, you know, the reason that I don't like Brooks Kepka is I'm so tired of Brooks Kepka talking about how no one wants to hear from Brooks Kepka. And I'm like, yeah, because you're dull and no one cares. But um, Kepka is definitely somebody that anytime he decides to pick up a golf club, it's, you know, it's going to be pretty good. Um, I'm just looking at the odds for uh, Beth Page this year. I think he's in there. Brooks on Beth Page, you mean? Brooks, yeah, he he's got yeah. good odds. Um, I'm looking at, but 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 here's the thing: like, obviously, Tiger's the sentimental favorite. I don't think, and I love Tiger more than, uh, well, than I care to talk about, really. <laughs> it's, uh, You're safe here. Okay, well, I like him a lot, <laughs> and uh, I have a couple observations about Tiger Woods. I don't think he's going to get to Jack Nicklaus. To be honest with you, it's just a lot to ask at age 43. I think he might get one more. You know, he might. I don't think he's, I don't know if it's going to be this year, but he's only got a couple of years left of like, you know, 120 mile an hour club hit speed, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I've heard all this talk about he's the greatest iron player that ever lived, and he probably is. Even Nicholas has said that. He never seen anyone that hit their, their middle irons the way the Tiger does. But winning a major championship is so ridiculously hard. As you said, you alluded to the, the bounces and the all the things that have to go right on that particular week. That's why winning anything is so ridiculous. So I don't see Tiger getting to 19, maybe one more. And, I, and also to your point, PGA Championship could be a good one for him because golf course isn't you know set up so, so difficult. Uh, he knows this course. The next two champion majors are going to be at courses he's won on as well. But as I think the whatever, if you graft it, the time, you know, rolling along and his opportunities, I, I just don't see him getting to 19. The other thing I'd like to just throw by you as well, have you noticed a year ago, Tiger Woods wasn't even on when they roll the montage at the beginning of, of Golf Channel or they roll the montage at the beginning of a tournament on the seems weekend. To, seems to have made a comeback. <laughs> We're seeing more of him. Have you noticed that? It's hysterical. The first face you see is Tiger Woods. And it wasn't just at the Masters. They started rolling him back into the montage, but it wasn't the first, but now he's the first thing. And the other thing I love is the Golf Channel now has this thing, whatever, the hashtag Chasing82. <laughs> I didn't even know. You seen that? No, I. It's all about the the quest for eighty two. Oh, the PGA Tour wins. Yeah, tour yeah. wins. Breaking. Oh, Sam Snead. Does that that Ty Snead? That Ty Snead right. chasing the eighty. Right. Even though ten of the the tournaments that Snead won were like one day invitationals against, <laughs> you know, uh, Joe Smith and Joe Smith and uh, <laughs> you know uh, Hurricane uh, Bob Miller. You know, one of these guys. Buckwheat Zydeco. That's him. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what do you think about that? I don't know what I asked you. What did you think about any of it? Uh, 
Yeah, <laughs> yes, we want a tiger being back. Uh, oh, prolif. Um, it's funny because some people get so tired of it. Oh, yeah. how come they have to show tiger all the time? Well, let's see. Um, do you think they would have showed Babe Ruth a lot if he was still alive in, in the majors? Uh, he might be getting more airplay than Vladdy. Um, yeah, when you're talking the best ever, it the thing with Tiger that eh, some golf people don't see is that he transcends the sport. Mm-hmm. Like you, you said, um, I think the day after the Masters, he was on the front page of the four New York dailies. Yeah. I mean, he transcends it. It's because he's because if listen, I love Jason Day, but if he had won the Masters, it wouldn't be the cover of the New York Times. Absolutely, it yeah. might it might be in the sports section, but it wouldn't be on the cover. Yeah. So yeah, just deal with it, people. <laughs> and, and and the reason that Tiger's just you know obviously for what you just said in terms of transcendence, but also. You know, the Golf Channel is in the business of making money, Duh. as are all those other networks that cover the game. And the thing that sells the most whatevers are, uh, are Tiger Woods. Well, you in anything, uh, any sport, you you need to bring in more than just the geeks, if you will. You, you, don't, you want to bring in people who are casual followers, that type of thing. And that's what Tiger does. Because he's – what is it? People say – that Tiger moves the needle? No, mm-hmm. he is the needle. And that's, that's just what it is. Tiger Woods is 8-1, uh, to one, the favorite at the, uh, at the PGA, followed by Brooke, uh, Brooks Kepka. McElroy, your guy, is 12-1. to one. Justin Thomas, who's been kind of quiet this year, 16-1. to one. What about DJ? DJ is uh, he's also tied with uh, Brooks at 10-1. to one. So who's this in that list of things you're looking at on your lovely laptop? Who is somebody that would be a dark horse for you? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think that, uh, you know, Shoffley would be a dark horse only because he hasn't won a, a major, but he wouldn't be in terms of his ability to win. And again, the PGA Championship, I don't know. Bryson DeChambeau might be a bit of a, a dark horse again, not because of his experience, but because of his experience not having won a major yet. Yeah. Adam Scott's name jumped into my head. Yeah. I can see that. He's resuscitated his game. He's, uh, I think he kind of got over the fact that he couldn't use a long putter anymore. Yeah, it took him a couple years along with Bradley as well. A bunch of them, yeah. Um, But his game, it's been there, and he's such a steady guy. So if there's anybody who could come up and surprise, it might be Adam Scott, but it's always just such a roll of the dice anyways. I mean, I wish I had a list of... Does demean the whole process? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I'm talking about who you, who you think could win, you know? The PGA is the biggest in terms of, as we talked about earlier, of surprise winners. Yeah, I've, um, I'm trying to think of beside... You know, the, the, there's a guy uh, sort of in the same category as uh, Sean McKeel, Rich Beam, a guy that won the Open Championship sometime produces those as well. I'm thinking of uh, Ben Curtis... Oh, yes, absolutely. He doesn't even play anymore. Well, he I don't think he won more than a couple other yeah. tournaments in his career. Again, it's the type of tournament, the, the Open, where, you know, some you get some crazy bounces and some guys can have a, you know, just the luck of the draw. Literally, you could have a morning Thursday and an afternoon Friday and miss the weather. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the, when Tiger was going for... You know, the Grand Slam that summer, the consecutive one where he'd won the Masters, the U.S. Open, and he gets to the British Open, as we used to call it when we were younger, 
and uh, he just gets uh, it's a 90 miles an hour wind and whatever his draw was and he didn't break 80. So that's the kind of tournament where, you know, a dark horse can kind of come to the fore. Um, all right, we're getting ready for our first break here. It's uh, gone by quickly. When we come back, we're going to talk about some stuff that you can take to the golf course. Uh, Tim O'Connor at O'ConnorGolf.ca, available for coaching one-on-one or in a uh, small group. Um, Tim's... uh will talk to you on the phone, for gosh. Tim will talk to you on the phone. He will Skype. He will Zoom. <laughs> he will Zoom meeting your ass. I'll tell you right now, I will. Uh, so that's cool. And uh, Tim will have some stuff when we come back as well. Uh, this is Swing Thoughts. You're listening to the... Uh, most unusual, we'd like to maybe call it the most unusual show about golf from a couple of nerds. Uh, and of course, as always, we invite your feedback, like our Facebook page, and we'll come back here in a second. And uh, welcome back here on TSN 1150 Hamilton, part of the Bell family, and we're happy to be with you. This show is called Swing Thoughts, and yet... There's not much thought on this show about how to swing a golf club. If that's what you're looking for, uh, this is not the place to be. Although we're going to give you some tips in this next 25-minute segment on uh, some golfy stuff that has nothing to do with how you move a golf club so much as how you can maybe through strategy and some training lower your score uh, through a, a, a better mental understanding about what the game you know, does to us. Maybe move and fire some neurons? Would that be it? Yeah, you know, speaking of that, I, I read something this week that I thought you would find interesting. You know, we talk about going with your gut, you know, when it comes to like a reading a putt or deciding on a club or just in life in general. I didn't know this. Did you know that the stomach, your, your stomach itself has the second most neurons in your body next to your brain? I did not know that. Yeah, that's why that feeling, that's why... We have those sensations in our gut. It's our it's those neurons firing uh, that gives us some intuition. I guess I'm not a scientist, Tim. <laughs> I just play one on TV. <laughs> That's Tim O'Connor. I'm Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show. This is our little golf thing. It's the weekend before the uh, PGA Championship. We've already talked about Tiger and all that. Rory McIlroy. Next week it's nothing but the PGA Championship. They moved it around. Couldn't be happier. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what you're working on with some of your clients, and I'll tell you about a course I'm taking with uh, John Wallet from uh, Elite Coaching. He's a European uh, expert, and I'll tell you about some of the stuff that uh, we're working on. I decided to sign up for a course called Practice Like a Tour Player, but there's some good stuff in there that I can share with you uh, later on about how everyone can change their practice to better reflect how the golf course experience presents itself. Well, why don't we just maintain some uh, continuity? And what you were talking about there about your kind of like your gut, your stomach. I what I've been working with a number of my clients on is connection, connection with what's happening in their body. You've heard me talk about this a lot, and 
it's interesting you use the word intuition. A lot of people think that intuition is some kind of like woo magic thing, you know, an ability to to predict things. No, intuition is based on your experience, things that have happened to you before. And where that ties in, say, with your body and your gut is when things happen to us, our body responds first. I was talking with a client this morning and it was in a, I also do leadership coaching and that type of thing and accountability and this, that type of stuff. And he was talking about dealing with, um, someone who reports to him and he wasn't quite so this fellow wasn't quite pleased with the way he had responded and he said he gave off a vibe to this uh, person in a subordinate position and I asked him I said what was going on in your body and he was he just went oh yeah I get this clench Mm -hmm. it's like I get this clench in my torso and in my and in my upper body I said, well, that's you're, you're, what you're doing is you're connecting there with a memory, a feeling, something that's gone on in your, in your life before. Now, it sounds very woo when I say it that way, but our feelings are in our bodies, and they transmit what's happening. And so in talking to him, I said, have you ever felt, like, really embarrassed? And uh, he said, well, yeah, more times than he wanted to. And in fact, so that's another word for shame. And when we really feel it acutely, our face goes red and hot. So our emotions are in our bodies. So the connection I'm going to make to that is that so much in golf, we are focused on what we're thinking about. We're trying to figure our way through this swing. Oh, I'm coming over the top. How do I fix this? Well, what I'm going to ask our listeners to do is do something different. Is that is check in with what's going on in your body. You might not even be aware you got a death grip on the club. Yeah. You may not even be aware that you're misaligned way to the right. That's something that you you note a lot of times. That's really uh, that's where your coaching comes through is your ability to see that. But folks, when it's not going right for you, connect what's going on in your body? How much tension are you carrying? And when things don't go well, what's what do you do? There's usually a body response. Well, yeah, it manifests itself somewhere down yeah. the line, but you don't know. You, you think that, you know, you're holding the club too tightly, so you don't really connect with why, but it starts in that, that second brain, they call it, the gut, you know, the, the feeling of intuition. And, and I love what you said about your, your, that fellow you're talking about, clenching or not breathing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've, since November, I've been going to yoga like two or three times a week, up until last week when the official golf season began. And uh, one of the things that an instructor said or the guide said one day is steady breath, steady mind. And one of the things he said is because I know yoga sounds um, like it may not be difficult, but I can tell you when you're in a class, it's 45 degrees. And they they do this for a reason. They put you, first of all, it's great for stretching because it's so humid and warm. But what happens is you're, you're struggling to hold these poses and your mind is screaming all this stuff like, this is too hard or why am I doing this or any number of things. And one of the things he said was after he said about steady breath, steady mind, he said, you know, it's not important. He said, get, get this, understand this. It's not how deep or how good you look or how well you can execute a posture because if you're doing it at the expense of breath, you're just doing a fitness class. <laughs> so if you want, he said yoga, the yoga part comes in 
what can you do and still maintain a steady breath? And as you know, I play a lot of tournament golf. I played a tournament three days ago. And one of my goals, my process goals for that day, was to continue to breathe in a steady manner throughout the day. And when I caught myself not, like getting a little nervous about a little tight lie shot up to an elevated green, I was like, no, you got to keep breathing. Because if you can't breathe during this process, it's going to trigger all those other things, as you just said, as they manifest themselves with a tighter grip or a, you're not paying attention to... Maybe there's a place over here you could hit it. All the other things. But that's why, and we've, and we've said this on Swing Thoughts a bunch of times, when you breathe, when you are consciously breathing in your belly, through your ribs and then your chest, which is the opposite of how most people breathe, what it does is it connects you to the present tense. Because your brain goes back and forth. But your body can only be in the, in the present. It can bring you back to this moment. Well, I have, um, I'm doing the, as you, as I've talked about last time, I'm doing these workshops, uh, they're called Getting Unstuck, and I have these people ask me all the time, how do I control all my thoughts? I'm standing over the ball, and it's like, don't hit it into the water, or, or don't yank it left, or something like that. And they think it's something magical that they can do to kind of shut down their mind. And the easiest thing to do is just to act, not, not to put just, a, this is the magic solution, just connect with your body as you were saying your body's always in the present moment they haven't figured out how to do that star trek transporter just, technology yeah, thing. yeah i wish they would i got play <laughs> really have some places to go back to <laughs> exactly. i gotta i gotta write some wrongs <laughs> i might be gone a while yeah exactly uh you got some karma work to do <laughs> um yeah for sure i do my name is tim it's not earl um when you're connected to your body even for the second or two you're standing over the ball if you're connected to something going on in your body, it could be your breath. could be, I talked to another client today, he focuses on his shoulders. That's one-pointedness. So when, you're, when your brain is occupied, it's not going to be swirling with all those thoughts. So, so there's a takeaway for, for listeners. When you want to control your thoughts, if you're in your body then and focused on that, it'll keep the thoughts at bay. I uh, concerns. You no, I, this, there, you know, I, I'm I'm comfortable with a couple of seconds of silence. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just trying to think about, you know, how I want to present this because I had my first tournament of the year was a an Ontario uh, Better Ball qualifier, as you already know. Uh, Charles Fitzsimmons and myself qualified, and yes, he's a, a a much much better golfer than I am. But we have a great time together, and you know. I think one of the reasons we like to play together is because he also loves this stuff. It's what he is getting his PhD in. He works with Team Ontario. And I think he likes that I'm so deep into it. And we, you know, we talked on the phone a week or so, a week or so before the tournament, what were our goals going to be? And then we literally that morning went over, like, what's, what are we going to do as a team? What's my, what am I going to be working on? Because Charles is somebody that, you know, has watched my journey from, uh, you know, uh, pretty angry guy to a fairly reliable tournament player. I, I don't know how my golf is going to show up whenever I play now, but I know how I'm going to show up. I, I have a, I've learned to exist in a certain kind of airspace, a block of space where I'm not really freaking out too much. Yeah, I hit a bad shot. 
I get momentarily irked, but not so much that I can't hit the next shot. Whereas my prior self, especially in tournaments, is if I got irked, things could unravel to the point where I might just walk in. So I've, I've, I've done both extremes. Anyway, it didn't go all that great for me all the way around, and neither did it go for him. But I played well. I played very well in spots, as did he, and he, we both had a couple of rough holes. But the nice takeaway was, from the moment we started to the moment we finished, in between shots, all we did is talk. We spent the first nine holes talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> Literally, after every... I don't even know the two guys we played with. They must have thought we were nuts, because as soon as the shot was over, we go, okay, so now we're down a couple of dragons. What are we going to do? <laughs> I don't, don't want to spoil it for people who haven't watched it yet, but, you know, you know, get with it. You, are you a Game of Thrones guy? Uh, no, my son's... I, I love it so much. My son's Corey and Sean are into it hugely. So the point being that yeah, we were playing a tournament. Yeah, we wanted to play well, and thank goodness, you know, we, we had a couple of nice uh, holes on the on the back nine and got in. But the only time, I, and I, I hit I hit a ball out of bounds on the 13th hole. He's counting people. So the 13th hole, and I, and I was really playing well. I had, I had a real nice stretch in the middle of the round where I started to play really well, and then I snap-hooked one out of bounds. I re-teed, and I, you know, but Charles had us, and it was fine. And although it's ironic, because he made a bogey, too. Anyway, as I was walking to my provisional ball, he said, oh, you, you're a little quiet there. <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, yeah I'm just, I said, I'm trying to process that last yeah, you got swing. Me. You got me. You got yeah, me. Yeah, That's yeah, all. Yeah. And, and it's funny, because I had heard something on PGA Tour radio. I'd, I, 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 I've been waiting all week to tell you, is that, the guy said a quiet golfer is usually being is, is a mean is usually being mean to themselves. <laughs> exactly. He said the quiet golfer is somebody that is usually saying mean things to themselves. He's and, caught in the act yeah, of self flagellation. Exactly. <laughs> when when somebody you listen, we've all played with people and you know you know what I'm talking about. If somebody gets quiet for a few holes, they're not telling themselves how great they're doing. <laughs> That's right. It's anyway, moping, sulking. Yeah. Being a big baby, but that just made me laugh. So after I hit that shot, he goes, "Oh, you're being a bit quiet." I went, "Yeah, I know, I know." Damn, I hit. I, you know what? I, I, I don't know. I'm working through. This. I know that a lot of high handicap people hate hitting slices, but I can tell you from somebody that's, you know, a good player, we hate hitting balls left more than anything. It's just. It's the scourge of the better players. It's a better player miss. It's ben Hogan rebuilt his game to get rid of that shot. So yeah, it was a quiet. It was a quiet walk to my provisional. <laughs> but for the most part, it it really has become. And I and I, you know, we've done a lot of work together. We've done a lot of work on the show. This, the people we've talked to, you know, Rory McIlroy, uh, talking about you know I'm not my golf score. Well, he's a couple years behind us. We've been at this for a while, and when you're not about your score. The day can be pretty pleasant, whatever the score turns out to be. Most people play their best golf when they're not focused on themselves. When they play, we talked about it before our show today. Um, I had a, at one of my workshops. I had this fellow who um, he aspires to be a good player, but usually doesn't really happen for him. The score he's capable of good scores, as this story will bear out. He was playing a game with his father, and his father was in declining health. And he knew that this was probably maybe one of his last games with his dad. This guy goes out and shoots 74. And all he was focused on the whole day was having a good time with his dad, making sure dad was okay, you know, all taking care of him. Adds up the card afterwards, 74. 
that's when it's really interesting. I was listening to a, uh, no, I was reading something about Alan Watts, a great philosopher, yeah. and I think it's, he calls it the backwards principle. And in essence, what it is is that the more that we chase happiness, mm-hmm. the more it runs away. And it's the same with in, uh, in golf. Well, the more we chase the result, the more we want the putt to drop, the more we want a certain score, the more we want, in essence, these external things, the harder they are to go after. Alan Watts, no one is more dangerous, dangerously insane than one who is sane all the time. <laughs> no, he's, he's one of those Zen Buddhist oh, yeah. Western guys. Um, I, I sent somebody a Hebron quote about, and I may have even put it up on uh, our Facebook page about, you know, unless we can come to grips and know who we are as golfers then we're really nothing more than then we're then we're prone to the vagaries of that number on the scorecard i've played four rounds of golf this year which is very few considering what i normally play i've had a couple nines but i've only i've kept score i've had score kept for me you're gonna love this i've had scores kept for four rounds and in every one of those rounds including last night i had no idea what i was shooting and that is so rare for me. And in part of that is I was, I was shooting pretty, pretty big numbers for me. On Monday's round, because we were playing a better ball, and, you know, if your partner has already made the par, sometimes you don't make the putt. You just pick up. You just pick up. So I had a few of those. And I had a few where I made the par, and, and he just picked up. But I couldn't really – I didn't really know what my number was around the golf course. In the end, I added it up. It was around 75 or 6, but it wasn't even par. But I had no idea. Last night, I I hit 13 greens in regulation. Wow. In a really cold day. Like, I'm, I'll just tell you, I'm a really good ball striker. But he is, I am, folks. He's folks. I am. There's no idle boast. I had four greens on the front nine, eight on the back nine. Sorry, five and eight. And I didn't, sh- I didn't break 80. But while it was going on, I couldn't have told you what I shot. I knew it wasn't a, a great number, but I wasn't really connected. Again, part of it is because it was men's night. We started on a – we didn't start at one. started somewhere on the golf course. So, you know, somewhere after eight or nine holes, I really could not have told you what I was. I knew I was hitting it great, and I was loving how I was hitting it. But I wasn't putting very well, you know, admittedly. But I just – I wasn't wrapped up in it. I wasn't like, oh, man, I'm – pissed off and I got to make a bunch of birdies and it was almost uh, it was almost a relief now to not be adding up my score if I had stopped and really thought about it I probably could have put a number to it but I wasn't I was just having a great time I, I laughed all the way around which I was playing as really good other good players all playing decent um, not looking for a lot of balls and the flow was just kind of fun it's cold so the only complaining was, well, <laughs> how many more layers? I had mittens on in between shots, oh, for goodness sake. I know, I know. But I, I thought you'd find it, because I'm such a numbers. I, I'm always so concerned. But I had no idea. In fact, I didn't even ask at the end of the round. Uh, we went in for a bite to eat. No one asked me. I didn't ask anybody. And it wasn't until I on my way home, I thought, I wonder what I did shoot. I knew it was pretty, pretty big. Like, it wasn't, you know, 90, but it was uh, like 80. Or something. Yeah, well, a lot of... 81. Which is... You know, you're not going to kill yourself over that. There was a day I would have. 
Yeah, I'm telling you, there was a day I would have gone to the range. Yeah. And it was six degrees and we finished. <laughs> With a wind chill. Oh, yeah. I just didn't care. I had a great time. This is a, this is a piece that a lot of amateur golfers get a, a really hard time getting their head around is that isn't it about playing great is about the the numbers and and you know i want to play well i yes we get all of that but in your zeal to play better you get in your way and i recall one of our early podcasts we had uh, ken tarling on our show yes and ken tarling uh he played a lot of tournament golf in his younger years got married had a family, and then became a club professional. He was at Donalda for years and years. Mm -hmm. And then as he got older, he thought he'd give this a shot again. And each time he would go into uh, the Q school and be right there, I mean, playing great golf, and then shoot 81, 82. Mm. And that was where he transformed. That's where he saw that this way of approaching the game is not working for me. And he started to disassociate himself from the, as you say, the identification with it and being so focused on the score. He got to the point where he told me about, he told us on our podcast about an experience he had. He played 36 holes in one day and he came off the course of the, the front nine and, and uh, the guys you play with, do you know how many birdies you made? Nope. Seven. <laughs> Seven birdies. He wasn't even aware of it. So... Well, I still remember that story, but I, yeah. I remember talking to him after. I was like, I call BS on that, darling. Sorry, but I know the, the idea is maybe, maybe the gist of it is. The gist of it is, yes. but I, you know, I've made seven birdies in a round. Believe me, I knew how many I made. But yeah. I, the point is you, you disassociate so that your sense of worth isn't, did I make par or bogey or three putt? No one cares. I Nobody cares. No one cares. In uh, the 1990s, I was... I was a golf writer, and I'd gone a couple years into this, and so I joined the Golf Writers Association of America. Nice. And they have a clam bake thingy uh, the week before the Masters in Myrtle Beach. All winter, I got my parents gave me this George Knudsen swing trainer thing. Do you remember it? No. It had the mold. It had a molded grip about an eighteen-inch shaft and this weight on the end, so okay. you could swing and stay limber and all this. So I dutifully swung this thing. All winter, go to Myrtle Beach and learn that I've grooved a hell of a <laughs> I mean, even the mice were scared. And so I'm about maybe, I don't know, a 10, 11 handicap at the time. First round of the Golf Writers Tournament. And, that, you know, I'm right in the midst of my have to do everything right phase of my life. You know, swing correctly, score means everything. Um, I shoot, uh, I think it was 110. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of golf. That's a lot of golf. And like, that's like I, a round and a half. Like I, you know, I didn't even. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't want to go in the clubhouse. Yeah. And then someone came out. Feel shame. Someone, yeah. Someone came up to the and said, uh, "Have you handed your card in?" No. So I gave it to him. The point I'm getting to. Well, I went to the clubhouse, and there's a bunch of guys I know from the this association I belong to. Hey, Tim, come on over here. Next thing we're talking, no one cares. No one effing cares about what I score. Just, just, just want to have a good time. You've got some good stories. What have you been doing all winter? Well, I know. Listen, I've, I've gone uh, there been in past years, uh, our men's night, where I've been so upset over a score and how I played on a Wednesday night. <laughs> That I didn't that I didn't come in oh, I get and, it. and have somebody to eat because I didn't want anyone to ask me what I shot. And the irony is, last night I came in, 
And I sat with all my buddies. Not one person asked anybody else what they shot. It was a cold day. I'm assuming most everyone kind of played like, I'll tell you, everyone in my group, former college player, a former second, the guy who finished second in the Ontario Seniors, he didn't break 80. Another good low handicap player, he didn't break 80. It's not like any of us, it's not like I shot 81 and the other guy shot 70. It was just that kind of day. But I just noticed that I was enjoying myself. I, and I was I walked it and it was a good walk and I was you know tired at the end and and it, again it wasn't until I was on my way home and I was kind of like I wonder what that was um, we only have a couple minutes left I mentioned that I've and, and we're gonna do a podcast extra you people that listen to us on TSN we'd love you to um, go check out our Facebook page go to iTunes look for swing thoughts and uh, you'll get a little extra including today's show. But I promise you, I want to give you a couple little takeaways. I'm going to give one. Uh, we've got three minutes left, so I'll make this quick. And maybe we'll expand on this a little bit uh, when... In our extra? In our extra. But it's basically John Wallet's the tour player practice system or go to elitecoaching.com. And one of the things that you know he's got here is it's called practice like a tour player. And it's really simple. The first this in the first week of this four week course, you know, basically talk about the difference between amateurs and tour players is what they focus on. And so the first the, what I'll give you a little takeaway, maybe we'll expand on it, is it's called the, the, the one third, one third, one third. Because most golfers will go will take your short game and hit the same shot, fifty chips from the same lie to the same hole, and you get zero it's the the time we've said it on the show. Time practice is useless. Focus practice is everything. So basically you divide your practice in one-third training, like put down all your alignment rods, whatever you want to do, work on your technique, and that's when you can stand there for 15 minutes and work on club face and all that stuff. Then you take 15 minutes to work on flow and rhythm, mainly like going, you know, going to different holes and you know, nothing to do with technical, but 15 minutes of, of pitching to different spots. Feeling your club? Feeling your club, uh, but all flow-based. And then 15 minutes of competitive practice, having to get up and down with one ball. You know, uh, And you score yourself as you go. So that's basically the essence of the first week is to take your practice and divide it into thirds. Your last thoughts? That's awesome. Sorry, we're out of time. <laughs> I just realized that we are, we've come to our end. But that's awesome. But that you're awesome. Do that, uh, people. Do that. Uh, we'll finish up here really quickly. It's uh, Swing Thoughts, TSN 1150, brought to you by TaylorMade and Adidas. And uh, more at uh, iTunes. Uh, check us out. Uh, Tim O'Connor, O'Connor.ca, Humble and Fred Show. And we'll see you next week. All right, this is Podcast Extra. Hello, people. Hello. Um, I lost the, the one thing I wanted to... There was something of his... Uh, one third, one third. Yeah, one I know, third. but I I, uh, I have a little handout that he gave me. How does a handout work on radio or podcasts, even? You can't... I'm not going to hand it out. Oh, are you going to read from it? I, if I could find it, stupid man that I am. Oh, you're... See? Don't be harsh on yourself. I'm not be your really. Own, be your own best caddy. I, I know, but I'm not really being harsh on myself. I'm mostly just kidding. Just relax. Here it is. John. Oh, okay. Practice like a tour player. Uh, here we go. So the homework, he gave us all homework. And uh, so let me... Let me and, you, and by the way, you can take that one-third, one-third, one-third 
to the long game to putting. So how it works with uh, your short game is it's pretty interesting. So it's it's five balls. So oh so okay here we go. So just bear with me because I'm. Are you having finger issues on your laptop? Can't find things. You get that scrunched up look on your face. So with your short game, fifteen minutes, just practice on focus on. So your technique, right? We we so you could be so it could be say flat left rib. Yeah, we're all, right. All that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the all the you know anything you want to do that's you're you know you're working on a technical thought like right now, um, and I kind of got this from Sheds. I did get it from Sheds. Mark Evershed. Mark Evershed. Because I was playing a lot of my short chips and pitches with sort of a almost an open club face. And it was exposing the bounce and it was giving me some kind of in, um, inconsistent contact. And he said, well, why don't you just square up the face? And it made so much sense. So now, because it looks weird, because I'm so used to having an open. So I've been working on that a lot, where I take it back shut, mm. keep it shut, because it's a short shot, and then what happens when it, it feels shut, it's not. But when it hits the ball, it's like square contact, and so all of a sudden, those thins and fats are gone because my contact's so good. So I work on that for 15 minutes, but here's the cool part. So the second part that is... That part was cool. Five balls to five different targets with the same club. Five uh-huh. balls with a different club to the same target and same trajectory. I'm sorry, one more time. So five balls to five different targets with the same club. Five balls with a different club to the same target with the same trajectory. So wow. I went so I went lob wedge, uh, gap wedge, pitching wedge, nine iron, and tried to make them all look the same. I did this yesterday. Five balls from five different lies, and then five balls with your eyes closed. And here's the weird thing. So I was doing this yesterday before the round, screaming cold frickin' day. <laughs> and the best success I had was when I was pitching them with my eyes closed. That's so cool. So that's the second third. And the third third is just so your tip. Five thirds, whatever. Well, the, so the, there's yeah. block practice. Then the okay, second third right. is, the, is, the, is the different target practice. And the third third is an 18-hole chipping game. The one he suggests is using a scoring system where, a, where if you get up to a target, it's a three, within three feet of birdie, six feet of par. Now, I thought that was interesting because and this guy only works with elite amateurs and, and tour players, and six feet is the par. And I thought, you know... We all put so much pressure on ourselves to get it to to kick in distance, right? But it's not realistic. What's more realistic is to get it within a, you know, like three feet's awesome because that gives you a three footer to save your whatever that is. But six feet's decent, and outside of six feet is a bogey. And I went around that green yesterday to eighteen with one ball to eighteen different targets and kept track of it because that makes you feel like okay. I've only got the one chance here, and I don't want to put down bogeys. So, and I was honest with myself when I saw, okay, I was saw eight footer, so it's a bogey, but still it wasn't bad. But I started to notice that, you know, I was leaving them between three and six feet and saying, okay, I'm good. Gives me a shot. So that's the kind of, you know, we've talked about it on the show, the transfer training. And why I took his course is because I really wanted some specific 
Like a lot of the stuff he talks about, we talk about. It's not new, but those little games and those little ideas, that was sort of new to me or gave me a, a, a focus of, well, I'm going to go to the golf course today. And as he said, you know, when you when you base your practice on digging it out of the dirt and being there for eight hours, you don't really get anything out of it. But if you have an hour or 30 minutes or whatever it is, you can divide it so that you walk away with some, as he said, you want to ask yourself, am I 1% better just 1% better at anything today than I was yesterday. Whether that could just be, are you 1% better at acceptance? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's always a process, right? Yeah. So well, what happens is you do drills like this, you build evidence. We, you, we've used that before. Yeah. So is part of it, so you're keeping score. So the next day you say, or, or next time you go, okay, last time I was four over, this right. time I want to beat four over. Yeah, and so you start to build evidence that you're doing that. And you also start to build some reliability because, you know, as I said to you I, uh, off the air, uh, and I sort of alluded to it here, you know, I hit, I hit a lot of good shots yesterday. I hit 13 greens, and I didn't break 80. So my putting wasn't great. Versus now, you'll love this too, I think, because last year, you know, I would have started this story of I can't putt and why can't I putt. Oh, I remember the and round. This is, we had. And every remember, round. Remember that round we had and you, yeah. you were striping it but not making putts and like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Ah. Well, I had the same round yesterday. I th- you're going to love this because yesterday I had 13 grains. I shot 81 or two, I think, in the end. And I three putted five times. <laughs> now, Two of those were from 70 feet, and the PGA Tour average uh, tour players will three putt from 70 feet, 70 feet, a high amount of time. And I'm not a tour player, so I forgive myself. The other three I missed, uh, two of them I missed, couldn't have been more than a two-footer, but I really didn't give them much attention. I've got a new putter, brand new spotter, love it. But it's, you know, when you get a new putter, I wasn't sometimes lining it up. Yeah. Still, yeah. Yesterday is the first day of the golf season that I've even practiced putting. You know, so again, I forgive myself those two. So in reality, I may have three-putted once, for real. I mean, I, I, I three-putted five times on greens I hit in regulation. But I got to tell you, here's the cool part, as I was telling this kid I played with. After my fifth three-putt, I said, let me tell you something, Scott. I think I'm a great putter. And he I love laughed. it. Love that. And he <laughs> said, doing a fist bump. Yeah. He said, I, he, I made him laugh. I said, I think I'm a great putter. And he laughed. And I said, Scott, think about this. Because of the, of, the, of, of the holes I didn't three-putt, there were two or three where I had eight footers to avoid three-putting. And I made those putts. Yeah. And I thought, those are good putts to – that's good evidence, as you just said. That was good – I felt good about him because I hung in on those putts. After my fourth three-putt, I had a six-footer to not three-putt, and I made that putt. So I felt like that on on accounting for the day, it was pretty good. Whereas last year, I would have been like, now what do I do? Because you're caught in the story. Caught in the story. And, and, that, and that wasn't happening. And also, the other thing, too, is that... Score really doesn't mean anything unless we invest it with value. So yesterday was it was cold. I played as well. I played in our men's night. I got four Stableford points yesterday. That's uh, that's not like you. No, but you had a lot of doubles. You said. Oh yeah, I, and you had doubles on holes where you got shots. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. But I made an eagle on Fort Day. I made a birdie with a shot. So I made, nice. I made an eagle, so I made a little little trip to the prize table. Not a boy. But, uh, yeah, I shot a smooth 92 yesterday, first round of the year. But, you know, it's like I had a great – I played with the with a pro, uh, and um, I'll say his name next time. He – you know, none of us. I beat them. He's a pro. I beat him with a 92. And the other guy I played with, he's better than me generally. I beat him too. Yeah. Score had, was one of those days. It goes out the window. That's right. It's May the 7th. The greens are like Velcro. Um, you know, I couldn't feel my hands from the back nine. Yeah. So it was well, by yeah. the time the back nine came, we were playing around the, around the same time. By the, by the time the last four holes came, first of all, it's gusting 50 oh, all yeah. day. And, uh, and it's cold. And it was six degrees at the last hour. I had mittens on. <laughs> So how can you attach score to that? Exactly, you cannot. You know, so, so it's ridiculous. But that's unfortunately that's the behavior. I know yesterday. Um, so I'm three over after three holes and make a birdie. Uh, I'm two over now. <laughs> I go, oh, dude, leave that. F, just leave that alone. You know, and you know, like I'm do this for a living in terms of helping people yeah. with their games and their life and different things. So what I'm getting to, we're both coming, we're, we're understanding when we get caught in our story. Yeah. And it's having that awareness of going, oh, yes, I'm starting to go down this little rabbit hole. But you know what? I'm going to do a little 180 and crawl out of this rabbit hole right now because it's not worth it. So, well, I played with uh, two other, man, we had such a great time. We were, you know, talking all about the the NHL playoffs and, you know, it's just and you know what's funny? I made a joke. I waited six months for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, though. I didn't wait six months. I pined for it. Um, this is what I was dreaming of in February when it was minus 20. I'd be out there with my friends in May, and I would 92 wasn't in the dream. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But anyways, you know, and, you know, when I'm going to head, you know, I'm... You know, I'm thinking, like, okay, on the way home, I got a 4.30. Maybe I can get hit some balls on the range of Blue Springs. Um, so, yeah, we all think this way. Well, you know, I, and, and I have I, I mentioned it because I, I spent a lot of time last summer, you know, bemoaning the fact that I'd hit 13 grains and I'd three-putt a couple times and why couldn't I putt and blah, blah, blah. But what I chose, you know, I talked to Carl last fall. You know, privately and on the show, and we talked about the number one thing I had to remember was to, you know, not get caught up in a story. And in actual fact, look at the, when I look at some of the putts I made last night to save pars, they were great. They were big boy, six to eight footers where, you know, you know, I, I've, and that means I've hit that first putt, you know, hard. And well, the, I don't know about your greens. You said they were like Velcro at Glen Karen. They have made a, a commitment to speeding the greens up. Mm. And even though they'd been punched, punched a month ago, they were fast. And they were fast with wind. And, you know, a couple I, – I, I had – on the ninth hole on Leithfield, I had 196 yards downwind to a front pin. And I'm going to tell you I hit – a six iron to the back of the green. I flushed this thing. I wish I could have had it on video because it was insane how great a swing it was. But it left me 75 feet from the flag. You know, I was like, did I? I think I just hit that six iron 220. But I ripped it. Like, it was so, I was so excited because one of the takeaways from playing with Charles on Monday, because we talked about it after having lunch, and, you know, we talked about the good shots I hit and why, what about some of the bad shots or the less than optimal shots? And he said his observation was, and, it, and I know we've all feel we all felt like this. Where I just, I, when I'm a little nervous or tense, I don't rip through it. I don't rip through the bottom of it. 
I slow down the ball. I don't know if you've ever had that sensation where you know you're over it, you feel fine, but you just know that you're not quite letting it all go. And so on that swing where I let it, I just was, I, I'd hit a very poor drive. I popped up a three wood, so I had a long way to the green, but I hit this beautiful six iron. So I was happy. But when I found out where I was, I'm like, oh, that's a difficult putt. It's a tough, tough putt. I hit it eight to 10 feet by, and I made a very nice putt to try and, you know, make that 10 footer. And I didn't, but I didn't lose anything by what, what had happened. Cause I was really happy about the way I'd kind of hit that shot and that's kind of what I'm working on. I really liked it. So I didn't wear any, any, and that was my fourth three putt of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew it was, but I chose not to dwell on it because I kept thinking of all the neat little six footers that I made. Now, and I also gave myself a break for the fact that I haven't been working on my putting. It's super cold. I got a brand new putter, awesome spider. So it'll come. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, I was, you know, similar, similarly, uh, I did this. I noted the same thing in myself. I was going like, I think I just made three doubles in a row. <laughs> and I'm okay with it. Like, we weren't, no one was, believe me, this was, this was the um, status, not the status quo. This is the way it went for everybody. The, the guy who won uh, men's night last night, I think he had 13 stable for a point. Wow. Like usually, wow. <laughs> usually it's like 28 or 32. <laughs> no, or no exactly. Something like that. So anyway, so everyone was basically uh, experiencing the same thing. But there was never a time in which I had a shot or something where I felt that clench of, oh, damn it, or anything. Like, it was just, oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're just cruising along here, so it's just the way it goes. And and I'm fully confident. Like I had a player on my university golf team who's kid's a plus handicap, and he played. In, we had an early tournament at Fire Rock in London. I won't say what he shot, but nowhere near what he can play. And yeah. I, was, I said, "Hey, uh, just checking in. What, what's going on? How's it going?" He goes, "He goes. That was my. F that was like one of my first rounds of the year. Still getting the rust off my swing. Fine. Just wanted to check in. Yeah. That's where we're at, folks. You know, I've, uh, and that's kind of how I'm, a, you know, like, I, I got really, really angry uh, last spring, summer. I was working on my game. I got, you know, not, not, not golf hell angry, but I was getting pissed off and just feeling like, you know, what do I have to do? Blah, blah, blah. And, um, but this year, you know, like I said to you on the show, I, I, I really noticed that I just don't have a lot of energy for getting too excited about bad shots. I do get excited about good shots because I'm trying to make remind myself that there were more good than bad. And as I said, you know, it, it's funny. The best shot I hit last night came after the worst swing I made. Yeah, uh, and it's interesting if you you know, and and those are the things that give me great joy is recovery shots. But in order to have a recovery shot, you've had to have hit a pretty bad shot. And um, as I told you when we were having lunch or before the show, that it, it won't be in my top one hundred of my life, but top my top two hundred last night. You know, and it was really cool. And I and I got up and I made a, I got up and down from. From nowhere, from 60 yards away, after the worst swing on a tough hole, and I made a par on it. And I'm like, well, that'll be the one I'm thinking about when I go to sleep tonight. For every, I don't care what else happened. 
that that was such an, a neat moment, but it came because I hit a horrible, like terrible shot, like a foot off the ground, snap hook, duck hook. I almost never do that. It was a, it was a miracle. We found the ball. I could barely see it, but I got it up close enough to the hole that I made a, a par, and it was cool. And that's what I'll take away, you know, not the five three-putts. Five three-putts. You know, imagine me telling you about five three-putts last year. You saw me do it. And I was like, what's wrong with me? I can't putt. Um, Story. Our friend uh, Ed Coughlin and I were supposed to have a, a talk today, but I had a bunch of people in the studio and I couldn't. So I sent him a note. I said, because um, we're trying to get together and have a chat. I said, uh, I can tell you I've had a bit of a slow start to the season. Because, you know, I haven't played very much. I did finish tied for third in a two-man qualifier. I said, so far, ball striking B-, minus, short game B, putting B-, minus, mental A+. Plus. Here's what he comes back with. He says, uh, no problem, Howard. Uh, at the moment, blah, blah, blah. He said, based on your grades for your game, consider this quote during your practice and play in the coming weeks. And here's what he said. Sometimes when things are falling apart, they may be actually falling into place. Nice. What do you think of that? That's awesome. They yeah. may actually be falling into place. And that's why focusing on the putts that I made is more important than the putts I didn't make. Yeah, well, that. so I listened to a podcast by Tara Brock. She's a um, psychotherapist, Zen Buddhist type person and she was talking about uh, she overheard an interview with uh, the CEO of this major successful corporation and the guy was being interviewed he says what's the secret to your success the CEO goes two words what's that right decisions really okay and, and how do you how do you learn how to do that two words wrong decisions <laughs> there you go alright Tim O'Connor always great uh, chatting with you and, uh, yeah, it's, it's always fun. And these podcast extras are neat to do. Yeah, well. So what's the tune you play? A little Paul McCartney. Kids, we will uh, be in touch uh, next week. Uh, don't forget to like our Facebook page and that type of thing. Review us. Yeah, that'd be cool. Rate us. See y'all.